You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, I'm really impressed with the work our staff did, uh, considering uh, you know the fact that we couldn't go on the road recruiting, we couldn't get kids to come in here. I think we signed a really good class, a lot of pieces that are going to fit together with what we have, uh, and I think it's going to be the key to getting us over the top. Uh, we just got to continue to add add talent, and uh, feel like this group did that. I think it's a little more of a regional class. You know, we got five kids out of Nebraska again, a lot from the Midwest. I think there's good talent in the state right now, and, and we're trying to get as much of that as we can. There's good talent in the region, and some really good pieces from a little farther away too. So, uh, considering uh, everything that was going on with a COVID year, I'm really excited about this group. And welcome here to this edition of the Husker Online Show. It is post-signing day. Also, we'll preview Rutgers in the middle of the show, but uh, we are going to lead off right away with recruiting news as that really is the story this week. Yes, Nebraska will play Friday night in Rutgers, uh, but it was signing day, and, and we make our living for the most part, and we've made our, our reputation covering recruiting. And uh, Nate Klaus joining me here over the phone um, here in our opening segment. He'll join us later. But, Nate, uh, 19 commits. Everybody was in the bag signed uh, by 10 a.m. on Wednesday. And there's still a few more things that could shake out um, here maybe in the early period or the late period. But, man, we've been around a lot of these together, Nate. And I can't remember too many with this little drama. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ever recall – a signing day that <clears throat> has not only had very little drama, if any at all. I mean, honestly, I don't think you could say there was any drama uh, that, that occurred on signing day. But also, I mean, you're talking about having having the, the signatures of 19 kids from New Jersey to California all wrapped up in less than four hours, uh, you know, before <laughs> before 10 o'clock. I mean, that's that's impressive, and I've never seen that before. Usually, you know, maybe twelve thirty, or, or you know, it seems like there's usually at least one kid that's lingering on into the the late afternoon or so. But uh, to have it all wrapped up before ten a.m. is is pretty impressive. And we love our good share of hat shows and school assemblies and ESPNU announcements. But I think two thousand twenty, Nate. I think we, we don't want any, we don't need that right now. I, I think the, the fact that it just, everything went to plan and, and there's still a few things out there and they got rid of the drama early. You know, Patrick Payton was probably going to be a guy that would have done something like this in Nebraska uh, on signing day. And, and, the, and they both went their own way a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, it, it, it's interesting in that sense, just how it all played out. But I, I it was kind of refreshing not having to, to worry about watching Jaden Francois walk away from the table for a half hour on signing day this year. Yeah, I mean, while while it makes for, you know, some uh some must see TV sometimes, um you know, I think you can agree with me when when I say the kids that are involved in that usually don't pan out. And uh, you know, we saw that kind of play out this this past year with uh, with a handful of those guys. So I think it probably bodes well for Nebraska that um, you know, all these kids are on board, and they weren't they weren't screwing around. They they woke up on signing day. They they signed their letters of intent and got it into Nebraska and and called it a day. And I think the cherry on top of that is that um, you know, a large majority of these guys are are going to be on campus in about a month. So um, you know, again, uh, this group is 
is uh, very businesslike in that manner. Nate, I'll tell you what, what jumps out to me, too. In years past, when Nebraska's maybe scrambling to find three or four late guys, they, they, they tend to go to Florida or Texas or somewhere like that. And this year, we saw them go to Kobe Bretts at Omaha Westside. We saw them go to James Carney at Norris. Early in the year, they made an offer to an eight-man guy in Seth Malcolm. It just felt like they took more local chances um, where we've seen previous staffs really drag their feet in those same types of situations over the years. Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes it's easy to kind of have the blinders on and, you know, kind of look past, um, you know, look past some of the guys in state or even, you know, within within the region um, and, and feel like you have to go to Florida or, or you know, Texas or California or whatever when when some things fall through um, or when you are looking to, to fill your remaining needs. And, you know, a lot of times what you need is, is actually right in your own backyard. Um, you know, the, the late offer to James Carney this past fall, um, you know, that was far from the reach. I mean, he is a tremendous Division One athlete. Uh, I think, you know, that he really proved that when he went toe-to-toe with Thomas Sedoni over the summer at the Warren Academy Showcase. I mean, his numbers on uh, his perform- performance that day uh, were I mean, right on par with Thomas Fedoni, who's the number one overall tight end in the country. So, um, you know, he proved that. Uh, Seth Malcolm, you know, the eight-man linebacker from uh, Tabor, Iowa, <clears throat> he's actually somebody they targeted fairly early on. And so uh, they are really concentrating more and trying to put more effort in state and even regionally and, and trying to wrap these guys up. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk recruiting class here with Nate Klaus. What do you think was the biggest need addressed? When you look at this overall, I mean, is it as easy as just saying it's tied in, or, or is there something else that you really are like, wow, they, they hit it on this one too? Yeah, you know, I think it was, I think it was probably tight end uh, because really they, they didn't take a tight end last year. Um, the tight end they took two years ago was, uh, was Chris Hickman is now at wide receiver. And then, you know, the tight ends that they signed in that initial 2018 class are, are no longer on campus anymore. So really they, they haven't taken a tight end since they've been here. So, uh, they needed to not only kind of restock that, that group, but I think kind of diversify it a little bit too, bring in some guys that, that can do some different things and maybe give them some flexibility. And I think they really did that with Thomas Fedoni, who's just an elite talent. I mean, he's, he's the definition of a difference maker in my opinion. And, um, you know, and I miss, mentioned James Carney and, uh, and then you got a kind of a wild card in AJ Rollins, who I think is a tremendous athlete and is somebody who's going to continue to, to mold and, and turn into a really good football player. So, um, you know, I think, I think tight end was really, really important. And then, uh, of course, you know, they've got to continue to address needs on the offensive and defensive line. And, um, and boy, I, I feel like they really did that too. You know, they brought in some really big bodies, uh, and some very talented athletes there. And, um, and they added to their size at wide receiver too. So, I mean, those are, those are the main positions where I feel like, uh, they did really, really well this cycle. Who's the coach that you think, and, and maybe this is to be continued because Tony Tuioti might have a say in this But when it's all said and done uh, because some of his targets are still out there, but who's the coach that impressed you the most this cycle? You know, that's that's a good question. I, I feel like, you know, the past few years you've had some 
some coaches that just really, really stood out and, and blew everyone out of the water. Uh, you know, Travis Fisher last year uh, on signing day, we were singing his praises with what he was able to do. Um, you know, and Ryan Held the past couple of years too has been someone who, um, you know, I think it was it was either last year or two years ago. Ryan Held was, I mean, he was legitimately uh, involved with over half of Nebraska's signees. Uh, but I feel like it was a pretty good group effort this year, and and I don't know if if you can chalk that up to being you know, a, a COVID thing where, you know, since the coaches weren't able to actually go out on the road and work their areas, they was, it was kind of teamwork from the get go or what, but, um, you know, I, I don't think I can say that, you know, this, this coach was your MVP of this recruiting class this year, which is, which is kind of rare. All right, Nate, we're going to pick this conversation up here later in the show, but there's still a lot of questions left targets on the board. We'll talk about that more all right, but before we get back to Nate, we're going to bring Robin Washett here into the show, and we'll start our discussion and breakdown of Friday's game at Rutgers. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. 